0: Hello, Guilty Feminists. This week, one of my best friends in the world passed away very suddenly. Cal Wilson and I toured Australia and New Zealand together for the Guilty Feminist many times, and she was such a talented comedian and far more importantly, and truly incredible human being. She was joy, life, love, and fun personified. Fuck boyo, I loved her and her clothes pegs we will do more to remember Cal with guilty feminist regulars who knew and loved her dearly when we can, but for now, let me say, it's still unthinkable to me that she's gone and we will never share the stage or a joke or a drink together again. I've nowhere near accepted it and I don't know when it will seem real. I'm sending nothing but love and the power I know she'd wish upon her husband and son and her Melbourne community. I'm mostly furious we will never get to be old ladies together. We sometimes talked about how much we disliked ageing, and all I can think now is that she'd have made the best old lady. We should have appreciated ageing together more, and all I can say is message everyone you love this week and tell them while you can. When I've looked over my old texts from Cal, I have to say she did it all the time. She'd message me and say she missed me and she loved me. So in that spirit, I think it's something we could all do for Cal this week. In the meantime, this week's episode is one of my favourite episodes with Cal, which we recorded in Sydney. The guest is former Australian Prime Minister Julia Gillard, and I know Cal, who had made Australia her second home, would not want me to put this out without saying how devastated we both are that this week over half of all Australians voted no in a referendum on whether Indigenous people should have meaningful consultation on issues and legislation that directly affects them, and how when I next come to Australia, we will have to do an episode about how to fight that insulting and completely unjust result. For now, Cal Wilson, I love you. You always
2: made me better in every way. So here we go. I'm a feminist, but tonight, as I was getting ready for the show, I was listening to Julia Gillard's amazing misogyny speech to give myself a bit of a... To give myself a bit of a feminist G up, and it was only when she got to the part where she quotes Tony Abbott saying, What the housewives of Australia need to understand as they do the ironing that I realized I was doing the ironing. Wow. Literally ironing my trousers tonight. And then I was like, Well, I'm not helping your cause. So <laughs> Tony Abbott wasn't wrong about everything. But you know, no, in a stopped clock way. Are you some big onion fan or something like? (laughs) They are delicious not being cooked.
0: Mm. No, No, I mean, Tony Abbott anticipated that you would iron at some point. That's literally the only
2: thing. Makes it sound like he's watching me. (laughs) He could be. Hello, Tony, if you're listening. I mean, if you don't want him to watch, turn off the webcam. (laughs) I. Girls got to make money somehow.
0: I'm a feminist... But tonight for the show, I had my makeup done. And what my makeup artist told me, the way to find your perfect nude lip is you match it to your nipple. (laughs) And I realized this was the first time in my life I was genuinely interested in the Free the Nipple Instagram campaign. (laughs) I've never really been like, oh, let's all get our nipples out. Except when I heard that, because I'm quite keen now at getting them out in
2: Sephora. (laughs) Or Space NK in the UK. Do you
3: know
2: what's made me go? I would be worried that my perfect nude lip would have a little bit of hair on it. (laughs) Not much, but, you know, oh, I should do something about that. That kind of... And you don't have to, nobody has to remove their hair, but... If you would, if it's you, not like taking your shoes off when you come into a house. Sorry, excuse me, excuse me. <laughs> you do one. All right. we've got. right. I'm a feminist. To... Mm. I'm a feminist. But one of my side quests is to find the perfect clothes peg. I'm obsessed. I'm obsessed with finding the perfect peg. How sad it's is that? unforgivable, i just admitted Cal. to ironing, it's and now I'm going on about pegs. Unforgivable, Carl. They have to be big enough that you can hold them up, but you don't want them too big, because then the clothing falls out between the peg and the clothesline. And they need to be bright and colourful, but then the plastic ones, just, you know, in the sun, they don't last. Anyway, it's... I can't stop imagining them on your nipples now, and I don't know what... <laughs> just a...
0: <laughs> I'm linking the two ideas, and it's got very kinky very fast. Yeah. It's so early in the show... I'm a feminist, but uh, my makeup artist in Sydney, Emily Fawcett makeup—just a shout out there. She's fantastic. She also told me because she's originally from the UK, and she also told me that she's out here on one of those working holiday visas. That was, yep, big fan of working holiday visas. <laughs> big up. Um, and what she told me was, you do your first year here, and I'd never heard of this before. But she did one year as a young woman wanting to work in Australia as a makeup artist, in order to extend that and get a second year. She had to go and work on a farm for three months. (laughs) I have never heard about this, and I was really fascinated by it. What I can't work out, though, is, is this very right-wing because you're forcing people who are short-term immigrants into indentured servitude for the privilege of being in your borders, or is it very left-wing because we should all be helping grow the food and so it's quite socialist... (laughs) and farms need help, and that's not, not popular. And But, like, someone's got to grow the food, and if it's not growing, like, is it, should we all, like, jury duty, spend time doing things that matter? Like, one of the reasons the environment's so shit is we don't really know how our food's grown, and we're, we're wasteful, and we don't think about these things. And I couldn't work it out, and I was just thinking about it. And then I suddenly thought, God, if I didn't have an Australian passport, and I had done one year of comedy here, and I wanted to do a second one... And in order to do that, I had to go and pick bananas or groom avocados. I'm a feminist, but this would be my last show.
2: <laughs> I'm just so bad at that kind of thing. I'd be such a complainer. I don't know that avocados get groomed, do they? Or are being groomed a... by an older avocado? Like, is it... I... A... <laughs> <laughs> been catfished by another fruit. <laughs> Turns out he wasn't a banana. <laughs> it was a 12-year-old pear.
0: <laughs> just, just thought, I don't know what you do with avocados, but it feels like you don't. You must foster them. <laughs> <laughs> encourage them. Foster an avocado. <laughs> like a foster child got, I don't know, you must groom... How, what do you do? Does someone know? Not peel them. I mean, when you're growing, you're farming them. This is city people, you peel them. Yep. They appear magically at some kind of artisan grocer's on the end of your street, run by a hipster. You pull the stone out and you mash them and smash them, and yeah. Anyway. They grow on trees. They grow on
2: trees. We knew that bit. I don't know, somehow. Anyway, you do one. All right. Uh, I'm a feminist. But in my side quest to find the perfect peg, I secretly hope that the perfect peg manufacturer is a fan of the Guilty Feminist podcast and sends me the perfect (laughs) peg. It's a genuine hope. I'm
0: a feminist, but tonight my Uber driver was so hot that I wrote a note in the notes on my phone and showed it to my sister in the back of the car while he was driving, that said, oh, God, our Uber driver is so hot. (laughs) And then, out of nowhere, like some kind of magic, and I'm going to do the accent. I love the Australian accent, and it is the only accent I can do. So if you do not like me doing the Australian accent because you think in some way it's mocking the Australian accent, please understand I love it so much that it's fun for my mouth to make that shape. But also, it's the accent you started out with.
2: I don't feel I'm appropriating it. You're reappropriating it off yourself. That's all I'm saying. You're disguising yourself as Deborah Francis White. It's outrageous.
0: Okay, so I'm just saying that I've ruined the bit now because I've apologised for it. Why am I apologising for it? It's silly. Okay, alright. Every part of the show offends somebody.
2: That's a nice logo to go with, isn't it? (laughs) (laughs) It's
0: true though. I will get a complaint about every line of the show, but all from a different person. If I get two, three, four, five
2: or six complaints about the same bit, I know, I apologise. I think there's going to be some angry emails from avocados for this one. So.
0: <laughs> OK. I'm a feminist, but tonight, my Uber driver was so hot that I wrote a note to myself. I've done this bit. And then he said, don't know if I've turned the stove off or not. I'm making a ragu." I don't know if when I get home I'm going to have a lovely ragu or no possessions <laughs> and then he said I said oh do you need to go around because we are still in Tamarama where he was from as well we'd established that I said do you need to turn around and check and he went no it's going to keep the night exciting <laughs> then he said this is true he said I've never felt so alive
2: oh, I've never thought of a ragu as having exciting possibilities like that.
0: And I was like, right, we're off. It was a full half hour across Sydney and I was like, you've opened the door, buddy. I'm going right through. So I started chatting to him. I said, do you drive Uber a lot? He said, yeah, I drive a lot. And I said, is this your main job? And he went, no, I'm an actor. My sister says, oh, well, my sister is a comedian and she's also a writer and she writes scripts you know basically setting us up on a fabulous date <laughs> and so then he got a lot more interested in us and uh, he said what's the show and I said The Guilty Feminist okay this is a real I'm a feminist but I shouldn't say this Sh- look I'll tell well, you you can't
2: stop now okay
0: I'm going to tell you but I'm going to cut this out of the podcast okay okay I might have said oh, god I can't believe I'm telling you this <laughs> he was very hot okay I said, you should come if you want to, Vincent. I was sort of angling to see if you were single. I'm not single, but you know, it didn't matter. Uh, I, it's, almost, it's nice to know if you're flirting with an open door or a closed door. Anyway, so I said, or the door half open, you know, a cat flap. Uh, I said, I said, I went, there's a lot of women in the audience. I pimped you out, I'm really sorry. I, I pimped you out. I said, the audience is probably 80% female. And he went, oh, will they be open to an advance, though, or not, because of the nature of your show? And I said, it's called the guilty feminist, Vincent. And he went, oh, okay then, yeah, no, that's... (laughs) And he said, no, I'm really interested in this. What are the main tenets for a man to be considered feminist now? Like, what should I be doing? What are the tent poles? And I said, well, the main thing I would say is if there are no women in the room and a man says something that's othering or denigrating to a woman, do you speak up and he said oh no i'd say something and i said i find some men have said to me that they find taking the piss is better than anything so we were talking about strategies and i said what would you do and he said i would say come on fuck with g up (laughs) (laughs) i've never heard g up before but you said it tonight too it's clearly an
2: australian thing yeah g up yeah we both use g up independently never heard of it i mean only for a horse Well, maybe it was a horse that was being sexist.
0: But then he said, you know, we're all the same. Any bigotry, sexism, racism, homophobia, we say something. And he said, the thing we've got to learn is you've got to feel comfortable with the discomfort. Vincent. (laughs) Somehow we got onto Michael Fassbender's penis size. I blame my sister. Live from the Enmore Theatre in Sydney The Spontaneous Shop presents The Guilty Feminists with me, Deborah Frances White and guest co-host Cal Wilson and very special guest Julia Gillard talking about leadership Thank you, thank you very much Cal Wilson this is the Guilty Feminist, the podcast in which we explore our noble goals as 21st-century feminists and the hypocrisies and insecurities which undermine them. I'm Deborah Francis White. I'm with Cal Wilson, and tonight we're talking about leadership.
2: They're big fans. that's that's um that's. That's all we've got time for. Thank you for coming. What a welcome.
0: That That, that was, I mean, it was an exceptional... It was almost more welcoming than it was for me, and I've made a 24-hour flight for this, so in a very real way, Carl, you've come from Melbourne.
2: It's true, I have, and I wore um, sneakers that are made of mesh because I didn't know it rained in Sydney, but
0: I've been sieving my feet.
2: Yes, a biblical proportions of
0: rain that I have brought with me. Biblical. I mean, it's something to do with the Messiah for sure in the second row. Where's the, where's
2: the, Messiah? Where's the Messiah? There's a suckling baby oh, hello, and a Madonna baby. in the second row. Oh, yes, I can see. You do look like a Madonna. You mm. need to have someone hold up like a gold dinner plate behind your head <sighs> to do the kind of. Just to be Halo clear, thing. we do mean Madonna, the
0: mother of God, and not Madonna, the pop singer who reinvents herself every three years. The mother years. of
2: Rocco. Oh, the mother I, I of Rocco. I can't remember the other ones. Lords. Carla. And the not, David. David, and Elizabeth. Yep. Oh, wow, is what a new a, one? I'm so glad we've got onto this train of thought.
0: What? When, is that, when
2: is there an li- Elizabeth? Is, isn't, isn't there an that's, Elizabeth? That's, you've made that up.
0: Oh, am I awake? What's can, happening? Any Madonna fans in who can confirm how many children Madonna has? I believe it to be three. I think it's four. Two girls and four. two boys. Looks oh, right. like The Price is Right, isn't it? Mm. Any, okay, all right. Well, somebody glad we've needs got to that sorted on. out. Somebody needs to be on that. Is there a man in the front row? Yes, always. I don't know why they sit there. But I... I genuinely don't understand. Because I would not have the confidence at a men's rights activist conference... middle of the front row, and and there's always
2: a cisgendered man in the middle of the front row. What I'm enjoying is that I can see three and I'm loving their body language. There's a bit of... But of shift, going on. It's shifted
0: a bit since we started talking about it. Mm. Just, sir, um, what's your name? Dan. Welcome. Thank you. Thank you for being a feminist. I assume you are and you've not been brought to learn. Did someone bring you? You, <gasps> you said can... I brought her. <laughs> Dan. Your sex appeal has just rocketed was the noise of 2,000 women having a small orgasm. Yeah. I brought her... I mean, men
2: have to do so fucking little <laughs> to get credit. I, I mean, how feminist is it, though, to force a woman to come to a feminist podcast? <laughs> he didn't say he forced her. No, he Dan didn't. values consent, don't
0: you, Dan? More than anything, Dan, don't you? I don't want to put words in your mouth, Dan, but I am. I can't stop myself. Dan, tell us more about the sentence, I brought her. her
2: favorite
0: it's her favourite podcast. podcast. Okay. And, and you got the tickets. Oh, I got the tickets for her birthday. Are we your birthday present? Oh, Wow, I've never game, been there before. Up, up our game, up our game, up our game. <laughs> with somebody's birthday present. Is it a significant birthday? Every, Every year, a year is a significant birthday. Every year is a significant birthday. That's actually true. That's so true. If you've lived another year, it's significant. You are a font of
2: wisdom, you two, aren't you? Yeah. Um, Can I just say to you, Dan, that I would like to reassure you that the worst has happened. Like, this is it. Like, it doesn't get... You're done now. But that guy... Bless him.
0: Look how relaxed Dan is now. Uh, I don't want to call you Dan's girlfriend because this is a feminist show. And I don't want to assume you're his girlfriend either. There could be all sorts of situations here. You could be his sister, his wife, his friend. We don't know. And you're not giving us any indication. No, no. She's not even blinking. She's just staring straight ahead going, you would be great in a police state. And, you know, and we need feminists who will not cave in a police state. That's, the world is veering right sharply... And you have the goods. What, sorry, can I ask what your name is? Nicole. Okay. And there's another Nicole cheering in solidarity. (laughs) Feminists are wonderful, aren't they? It's like, yes, up the Nicoles. (laughs) Nicoles will smash the patriarchy. So Dan and Nicole, do you listen to the podcast too, Dan?
2: Occasionally. Occasionally, okay. Always getting bold. Occasionally. (laughs) Oh, occasionally. You don't own me. No. Why do you only listen
0: occasionally when it's Nicole's favourite show? I mean, this is what she lives and breathes for.
2: And you don't even know what's going on. You know how I said the worst had happened?
3: (laughs) (laughs) Dan.
0: No, Dan and Nicole, thank you so much for coming. We appreciate it very much. And well done getting it. You must have got in early to get front row seats.
2: Poised at the computer.
0: You were sitting there poised at the computer. Mm. again men have to do what I think is a man cannot be a guilty feminist a man can only be a smug feminist
2: because oh I would hate that podcast It's (laughs) there's, there's plenty out there don't worry
0: it's not what they're called but it's the subtext um Oh, that sounds bitchy, doesn't it? Like I listen to other podcasts, judging them. I don't. I just assume they're out there. Um, yeah, I just think men, they're not guilty about their... Fem- well, we're all going, oh, men am I getting it right? they're excited about it. Oh, men, t- men tell you they're a feminist the way they tell you they've done the washing up. <laughs> and I'm a feminist, and all I have to do is say it. They don't have to prove it at all.
2: Do you feel like a natural leader, Cal? I am willing to do anything second... I'm a great sidekick. That's what I am. I'm an excellent sidekick. I'm like the piglet to your poo. (laughs) Which is a horrible way to phrase it. But So many levels of Oh, you don't care. She's a poo piglet. It's not great. See,
0: I don't think of myself as a leader, but I think I'm a great... I want to be at the centre with pushing energy in all different directions. I do not want to be at the front, so you're you're in the firing line. You're sort of line. the
2: catalyst, is that what you're saying? I'm a catalyst. More I'm than a cat lady, a... which is not as exciting. <laughs> <laughs> I am also
0: that. I feel like I'm more of a catalyst than a leader. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a better brand of leadership. I think the sort of... I'm at the front telling everyone what to do and getting everyone to salute and adore me is a very patriarchal style of leadership. And why should we do it? I think we just model ourselves on masculine power structures that, you know, if they worked, you know, absolutely. Why reinvent the wheel? But after 10,000 years of masculine patriarchal leadership, Mm. I look at the environment, to name just one thing, and what I see is the end of the fucking world. I look at the financial system and I, I see what they were going for. But what I am now looking at is the end of the fucking world.
2: Hmm. It does feel like the end of time, doesn't it? The Mm. end days, like the book of Revelation, like we're flicking through to go, oh, what's happening next? You know, that sort of... Well, one
0: thing about all the riders of the horses, Mm -hmm. of the four horsemen of the apocalypse, all men. (laughs) That's all I'm saying.
2: I guess, I don't know. I I don't know why my mind has gone straight to the four My Little Ponies of the apocalypse. Like, is there... I don't know, how cute would that be? How cute would that be?
0: Are you ready for some start-up comedy? Please welcome to the stage the fabulous Carl Wilson!
2: Do you know what's really annoying about this iPad? This is not what I'm going to be talking about, but uh, it reacts to Cat's Feet. It reacts to cat's feet, and my cats will walk across my iPad and change the website I'm on, but also like things that I didn't like. <laughs> uh, and it came, to, it came to a head uh, one evening where Pirate, our cat, likes to get in anything that's a space, so he was trying to get into my husband's pocket. And he'd got his paw down into my husband's pocket and was, like, poking and poking and poking. Uh, his phone was in there, and what the cat managed to do was get on the local buy, sell and swap page... <laughs> like some fake flowers and make the inquiry are these still available three times and Chris only realized what had happened when he got an email from the woman going are you still interested in the flowers anyway so uh, as I said before, I, I don't consider myself a leader. I'm happy to be second. I'm happy like, yeah, come on, let's go. But I don't want to be out the front leading. And so I was, I was thinking like, what actually is the hallmark of a great leader? And I thought, what better place to look than the internet to find inspiring leadership quotes. So I was having a little look around and they all seemed to be the same sort of top 50 quotes. And some of them I thought, well, I thought this was quite beautiful. This is from Edith Wharton. There are two ways of spreading light, to be the candle or the mirror that reflects it. That's quite beautiful. Like, if I was her, I would have given myself the afternoon off. I would have been like... I'd be high-fiving myself around the house. I'd be really happy, right? But then I was looking at some others. A guy called Joel A. Barker said, a leader is a person you will follow to a place you would not go by yourself. Which, to me, sounds more like a y Marana. You know, I wouldn't normally go down into this alleyway, but I feel safe with you, Maverick. LAUGHTER John Maxwell: uh, The pessimist complains about the wind. The optimist expects it to change. The leader adjusts the sails. So I think what he's saying is successful leaders can afford yachts. I think that's uh, this, is, this is one I quite liked from W. Fusselman. Today a reader, tomorrow a leader. Now I think if that were true. Uh, libraries would be full of child prime ministers, wouldn't they? Like, I don't think it follows. I think he's fallen into that trap of going, well, it rhymes, so it must be true. (laughs) There's a few of those. Like, I'll just make one up. Like, um, girls who are Flemish have no blemish. (laughs) Girls from Hackney, full of acne. (laughs) That's not true. That is, like, there's no evidence for that, but Fusselman would probably go, well, I'll take that at face value. Like, that's just... The the big one, of course, like that is like God made Adam and Eve, not Adam and Steve, which is bullshit. She didn't. She made them both. Uh, She she made Adam and Eve and she made Adam and Steve. And for the sake of their privacy, Adam and Steve said, do you mind not putting us in the Bible? Uh, Some of the neighbours aren't that great. We don't really want the publicity. We just want to get on with our lives, uh, turn Eden into a really great organic market garden. And God said, of course, of course, I, I really get it. I'm so sorry about the bigots. And Adam and Steve are like, look, it's a tough one. You know, you can't help who your fans are. You can't help that. You're appealing to a really wide demographic base. Some of them are lovely. The other one's not so much. And God said, well, look, thanks, thanks, guys, for being so great about it. Um, good luck with the garden. All out. And when they're in season, I'd like eight bushels of strawberries. Um, I'm having some friends over, and Buddha loves a fruit salad. <laughs> I got quite into that one. I thought about that one quite a lot. Uh, and then I... <laughs> I moved, uh, moved on to a quote from Sheryl Sandberg, the COO of Facebook, or COO. <laughs> she was the one that wrote the book Lean In, which I really identified with because I am constantly leaning in because my hearing is terrible and if there's any background noise, there's no chance I'll hear a word you're saying. Anyway, Cheryl said, leadership is about making others better as a result of your presence and making sure that impact lasts in your absence. Which I thought, well, that could apply to a leader but also to Santa. (laughs) He knows if you've been bad or good, so be good for goodness sake. Like, maybe maybe that is why Scott Morrison went to Hawaii while the fires were so bad. Because he still believes in Santa and he was hoping he'd get some more coal. Gosh, he's going to be so upset when he listens to this, isn't he? I mean, but actually, looking at it seriously, maybe Santa is a great leader. I mean, everybody loves Santa. People dress up to be like him. Parents want photos of their kids standing next to people that just look like him. You know, he's obviously doing something right. So maybe he is a great leader. Although I would say he's not. He only works one day a year. But, you know, great leaders know how to delegate. And they, they also know how to look after their team. And he let all of the other reindeer bully the shit out of Rudolph. <laughs> he's ostracised poor Rudolph. He's mocked for his appearance. Santa does Nothing. Nothing. I think part of the toxic sleigh environment is the gender imbalance. Too many male reindeer. Dasher and Dancer and Prancer and Vixen, Comet and Cupid and then you've got Blitzen. Only one woman reindeer, Donna. <laughs> I know some of you going, well, what about Vixen? I'm like, yeah, well, of course, she was an incredible drag queen in season 10 of RuPaul's Drag Race. <laughs> But Rudolph, he's left to his own lonely devices. Santa only turns up for Rudolph when it's poor weather conditions on Christmas Eve. Suddenly, he needs a reindeer with lights. And also, just on a safety level, his nose is red, and you're only allowed to have white lights at the front. So, strictly speaking, Santa is driving a non compliant reindeer in what is basically a high speed, hostile working environment. It's not great leadership. Afterwards, all of the other reindeers suddenly love Rudolph and act like they've never excluded him. If I was Rudolph, I wouldn't be eating up all the insincere attention. I'd be all like, fuck the lot of you! I'm going to saw my antlers off and start my own business as a one-horse open sleigh. And what's more, I'm going to do home deliveries from Adam and Steve's all-organic snakeless market garden. Stick that in your sack and smoke at Santa. So that's another view of leadership. But I'll end on the one that I really love. And this I genuinely love this. This was from Eleanor Roosevelt. Do what you feel in your heart to be right, for you'll be criticised anyway. I love that. She hadn't even been on the internet.
0: Hello, Guilty Feminist. This is Deborah. We would love you to come and see us at King's Place tonight, the 16th of October. We've got an incredible show for you, an incredible lineup. I'm co hosting with Chloe Pets. We've got some amazing guests. And/or you can come to the Soho Theatre at 9:30 pm on the 1st of November, the 2nd of November, the 3rd of November, and the 4th of November. We're going to be doing some great, funny shows there. Australian dates are coming soon. Check guiltyfeminist.com for details. And if you could rate, review and follow us wherever you get your podcasts, that would be incredible. For ad-free episodes, go to patreon.com slash guiltyfeminist or you can subscribe via Acast or Apple Podcasts. And now, back to the podcast. Our guest tonight is a former solicitor and member of the Australian Parliament. She, She is the chair of Beyond Blue, Australia's leading mental health awareness body and the inaugural chair of the Global Institute for Women's Leadership at King's College in London. She is also the patron of CAMFED, the campaign for female education which tackles poverty and inequality by supporting girls to go to school and succeed. Her speech on misogyny... ..was voted... Australia's number one TV moment... Of television, please welcome the first and to date only female Prime Minister of Australia, Julia
4: Gillard.
0: Well, that's more popular than any UK Prime Minister. Has ever been Churchill didn't get that after the war <laughs> Welcome it's thank you uh, I think you're the first world leader we've had on the podcast but-
3: Hopefully the shape of things to come. Many more yes. women. Many yes. more
0: women in, le- in world leadership roles and many more women in world leadership roles on The Guilty Feminist. Absolutely, I, both. I think that's what we're going for. Can you WhatsApp uh, Jacinda Ardern for me?
3: You must <laughs> have I, I haven't them. got my phone with me, but when I get my phone, yeah. I will. Do you, do you have them all in the WhatsApp? Well, not them all, but... <laughs> so which ones have you got? Uh, I'm not sure I should be revealing this, that. This is like a... This is like a game of guess who, isn't yes. it? Yes, absolutely. Uh, only the nice ones. Only the nice ones. Oh, so only
0: Jacinda Ardern.
3: <laughs>
0: literally, just Jacinda. Well, look, you know what? That's like, You've just have you blocked all the others, did you just go? Theresa May blocked. Uh,
3: oh.
0: <laughs> Boris Johnson double blocked.
3: <laughs> um, I feel a bit. Uh, no, I'm, no. Angela I, Merkel feel muted. Oh, yeah. I feel a bit sorry for Theresa May. I think.
4: You
3: know, oh, No, I get it, I get it, I get Look, it. But I do think part of her treatment was terribly gendered.
0: I agree with that. I agree with that. I agree that part of it was gendered. And I agree that she was given a glass cliff. All the boys who made it happen just went, oh, you touched it last. And... <laughs> And dropped, it like, let her do all the hard graft and then said, "Oh, you're a failure, get out. And then basically Boris Johnson swept in at that point. He didn't want the job earlier because he knew it was poisonous. And then he came in and went, oh, let's just get Brexit done. And people were so exhausted by it. They went, yeah, sure, fine, Boris Johnson, just let's get Brexit done. So you're right, but in all other ways, Theresa May is entirely heartless. <laughs> now... <laughs> and cheers, I mean...
2: Yeah, We're not here to talk about Theresa May. I'm busting busting to ask you a question, Julia. So I was uh, listening again to your incredible speech on misogyny uh, earlier this evening.
0: If you haven't heard it, give it a Google, international Uh, audience. And I remember
2: when it happened, how I was, like, in the office of the show that I was writing on, I was, like, punching the air as well. Like, what were you... Like, it takes me hours to come down after a good gig. Like, how many days were you awake for after that...
3: (laughs) Uh, It kind of wasn't like that. It didn't feel like that in the moment. I mean, it felt like it was a speech that was having an impact because, you know, in the parliamentary chamber, you can see the opposition very clearly and Mm -hmm. I could see them sort of going from animated and interjecting to increasingly dropping their heads. So I knew that it was a powerful (gasps) speech. Did you? Could you see that? I could, I could. Um, But... I didn't See that for us is not a good gig No, no I did did, What I
2: loved watching again today Was at the start When you mentioned Tony Abbott He looks quite pleased to be mentioned He's like Oh, that's (laughs)
4: that's me And then he's like
3: "No, No, No 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 So, no I didn't leave buzzing It wasn't like that I didn't have a sense when I walked out of the Parliamentary Chamber that it was going to be this huge thing beyond the Parliament. And it was only when I got back to the office and already women were ringing in and it was starting to get picked up by overseas news services that I got some sense that it was going to grow mm. um, into the thing that it's been for me and for so many women in the years since. And has it been a bit of an albatross? Are you like, no, I've done
2: other things as well? <laughs> like, or are you like... Touch that it's had such an impact on so many women?
3: It's taken me a little while to get to a sense of kind of peace with it because there was a period when, you know, I'd left politics and the only thing anybody ever wanted to talk to me about was that speech and you would be there going, you know, I was in Parliament for 15 years, I was Deputy Prime Minister for three years, I was Prime Minister for three years and apparently it all comes down to this one moment and this one speech uh, but as I've travelled the world more, and women have literally dived across traffic lanes to come and talk to me about it, I've got more of a sense of what it's meant, and so I'm more at peace that that's the sort of top note of uh, the prime ministership yeah, that people I think remember. All
0: world leaders want an historic moment. They do want an historic moment. That's your fight. Them on the beaches. <laughs> I think you know, fight them at the ironing boards. Uh, (Laughter)
3: Possibly fight them with the ironing boards. Yes. I think <laughs> that's a high five for that joke. Thank Have you. you thought of doing
0: a little bit of stand-up comedy? Because that's an instinct right there, and you you can't buy that. You can't buy that. Um, can I ask a question? It's literally my job. Yes. Uh, (laughs) Something tells me you will. (laughs) uh, No matter what you say. uh, When you are in those photos, because I know, know, being a comic, it's often you're the only woman on the bill Mm. or they take a group photo of you and you are the only woman or there's two women placed on either side like bookends. So it makes it look like there's more of us. Or you're asked to run around the photo (laughs) and have the other side. Now, as a world leader, uh, this is something that's absolutely abundantly obvious to all of us that there just aren't many women in the frame. Did you feel sometimes othered or that your womanhood was important to those men? Is there any way that you can get men to forget you're a woman and just see you as a human being?
3: It depends is going to be the answer to that. The time I spectacularly failed to was when I was the only woman at APEC. So this is a meeting that brings together economies that cover more than half of the world's total economy. And so it was men, 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 and I was the only woman at it. And people might remember that (laughs) (laughs) uh, APEC is the meeting that they always come out at the end in the funny shirts... And this meeting was in Hawaii and President Obama, for the two days of it, kept saying to me every time he went past, don't worry, when we do the photo, we've got the coconut bra and the grass skirt for you. (laughs) So... Did he say that? He did. He was joking, obviously, joking. Even Uh, so, Barack. (laughs) Even so.
0: See, I think that's quite... I'm quite surprised at him. uh, Was he doing it in a way where you felt solidarity... Or did oh, did you no, feel a- he's
3: unfailingly gorgeous?
0: Yeah. <laughs> I think that is the quote oh. of the podcast.
3: <laughs> Forget he, Vincent. We don't no. care about Vincent now. Is
0: would you say Barack Obama is
3: your Vincent the Uber driver? <laughs> uh, I don't know whether he can make Ragu. <laughs> I bet he'd give it a good try.
0: But we're not here to sexualize. The, pre- the former President of the United States. <laughs> oh, yeah, and certainly not the current one. Don't make the baby cry again. Oh. Sorry. Don't, man, don't evoke, don't evoke. So, when... Uh, just tell us more about Barack Obama, honestly. <laughs> uh, did you hang with Michelle? Are they the coolest people in the whole wide world?
3: I'm pretty sure they are the coolest people in the whole wide world. Um, are they
0: still in your WhatsApp?
3: I still get to see President Obama, yes, which is very, very nice. Yes, very nice. Where where and when, what happens? (laughs) (laughs) Tell us more. All in pursuit of worthy causes. So they are creating their foundation, Mm. which will be very focused on young people and leadership. So Mm. I've been involved in some of the discussions about what the foundation can do. And we're meant to be
0: talking about leadership. So... (laughs) Yes, we are. Yes.
2: Well, wasn't not that a great just, segue, not Cal? Not just hot leadership.
0: No. No, no. Sorry. Back to <laughs> women and feminism. The theme of this show. So tell me more, tell me more. Like, does he have a car? No. No, no, no. Uh, leadership. Back to leadership. I've Cal. got a question. I've got a question.
2: How you're distracting with this conversation about Obama. Throw your question I've in. got an avocado question. I don't. No. Um, <laughs> what still fuels you? Like, given that you've been Prime Minister, you've got a foundation now about getting more women into leadership, are you fuelled by rage or hope?
3: Oh, good <laughs> question. Good question. Uh, very good question, and I am absolutely fuelled by hope. And quite, along, quite along the way, hope. the occasional little bit of frustration mm. uh, that... Mild rage. Uh, yeah. Um, rage light, <laughs> Diet rage. Diet rage. I like that. <laughs> um, <laughs> zero sugar. Um, mm. I... See, I like full-fat rage myself. <laughs> I think... Rage it right up, baby. Uh, I get frustrated when things happen, like... Uh, The World Economic Forum tells us that Australia's slipped yet again in the rankings on gender equality. And I get frustrated by things like they tell us that we won't close the gap for 100 years. Oh, come on. Which means that my great-niece Isla is unlikely to live to see it. Uh, If you just think about (gasps) Mm. that, I'm alive today, my great-niece Isla, she won't live to see it. So a bit of frustration, Mm. Uh, but overwhelmingly I'm positive because I think we're focused on the right conversation, we're coming together in huge numbers, we really want to get this done, and we are not going to settle for waiting all of those decades. Absolutely. (laughs) So I have some questions.
0: In your leadership research project that you're doing at King's College in London, has anything surprised you about the data that you have received in this research about women in leadership?
3: Well, yes, and I'm now going to use the words Theresa May and you're going to get upset with me, but... Um, no, no, we... no, no, no. No, no, uh, no. You're wearing we... leopard skin in solidarity with her, clearly. LAUGHTER we... She, she loves a bit of leopard
0: skin, does Teresa. Uh, she, but you always get the feeling she's caught the leopard itself.
3: <laughs>
5: herself.
0: And that she made sure it was a baby one.
3: <laughs> oh, harsh, harsh. But, but let, let me just... Have you seen her foreign policy? Sorry, go on, go on. Let me, let me just intercede with this. Sorry, We at the Global Institute for Women's Leadership promulgated a piece of research by a wonderful Australian researcher, a woman called Blair, and she had... Uh, compared uh, the newspapers in the first few weeks after uh, Margaret Thatcher became Prime Minister, which happened in 1979, with the coverage after Theresa May became Prime Minister. So you would think to yourself, well, you know, Theresa May's the second female Prime Minister of the UK, things should be better. But this research revealed actually the coverage of Theresa May was more gendered than the coverage of Margaret Thatcher. So that kind of depressed me and I don't necessarily think that it's the gender standards have got worse because I don't believe that's true but what it does mean is the media environment we're living in is one where you know the sort of rules about how the media will treat politicians are different now and in the use of those new rules, that more space, other media is inserting more gendered stuff. And you may well remember the time that Theresa May was sitting next to the Scottish leader and they both had skirts on and the mm-hmm. headline was, forget Brexit, who has won legs it? You know, yep. like two women leaders, yeah. you should be comparing their legs. I mean... Um, so all of that does frustrate me, but that's mm. the kind of work we're interested in.
0: What from your research has given you hope?
3: What has given me hope is knowing that increasingly around the world, companies and indeed nations are adopting policies about family-friendly flexibilities that give the same flexibilities to men. And if men use those flexibilities, instead of it being a situation where it's only the women that make use of the family-friendly stuff and so that puts them on a career track to precisely nowhere, if both the men and the women all use those family-friendly flexibilities, then no-one pays a career penalty for having Mm -hmm. used them.
0: speaking as i do for the childless everywhere um for people who do not wish to have children for their own reasons for the environment because they can't for, to be able to take that same time for other pursuits because parenting isn't the only thing in the world there are other reasons to take a career break we should all be making use of those, it refreshes everybody and nurturing and caring and nourishing the next generation is important we can't just say oh it's this thing that women do on the side and then when they come back they get half their job back but everyone looks at them like mmm do you really care now though or are you really thinking about Timmy's clarinet practice you know it it just like we all need to say that it's important to nourish the next generation and nurture them and raise them as as feminists Um, that's what maternity leave and paternity leave is for <laughs> can i ask what are your recommendations from the research you've done so far for how we can get more women into leadership roles and i say women i include women and minority genders how can we get women and minority gendered people into leadership roles do you have any recommendations so far i know your research is not finished no
3: got some recommendations. I mean, certainly in politics, the evidence shows that uh, quotas and affirmative action targets matter. You can see that in Australian politics. You can see it around the world. So, deliberately re-gearing your system, recognising that it's been historically biased and taking a meaningful step to make a difference. Uh, This, the sharing of the family-friendly flexibilities makes a difference. But one of the things that we're thinking about is actually how do we measure merit in a more forensic and scientific way rather than simply saying to ourselves, gee, that charismatic man who seems to have all the answers, he must be a fantastic leader, uh, when often they're not. Uh, There is actually... I've never (laughs) noticed. (laughs) There's a great book by an academic called uh, Professor Chamorro Premusic, which is uh, called uh, Why Do We Keep Promoting Incompetent Men and What To Do About It. Um I, I, I am recommending it as a great read, also to be read in public places so people can <laughs> see the title. Uh, but it uh, helps us... I don't know what you're talking... He doesn't have a hose. <laughs> He's not holding a hose.
0: That was not a widely read News story, clearly. No. Okay. Uh, so your recommendations for us as individuals. Now, not every woman or minority gendered person wants a leadership role. Not everyone is cut out for it. Not everyone desires it. Not everyone wants to give up the parts of their life that they enjoy to have it. There's lots of sacrifices. But if we are such a person who would like a leadership role, what can you recommend that we do?
3: Well, firstly, I think in aspiring for leadership, you've got to know why. You know, that sense of passion, what you want to do with the leadership, uh, what you want to make a difference to, that's the thing that keeps you strong. And I meet, you know, young people around the world who say, I want to be Prime Minister, I want to be President, and I always have to say to them, And what do you want to do when you're there and it doesn't have to be you know these ten policies but you need an animating idea that you're going to stay true to and that really matters to you so that's number one number two uh, make sure that as you step along your leadership journey particularly for women uh, you are studying the gendered bit so that you're not there thinking Uh, this is happening to me because I'm not good enough or this is happening to me just because of some eccentric reason about me, you're understanding when there are gendered things going on and you've thought in advance what you will do in that moment. And it's, you know, one thing to call it out yourself and that might be a great strategy from time to time, but it's another thing to have reached out to people who can assist you in that moment. I don't think we should put all of the burden on women who want to be leaders to address the sexism. I think everybody, men and women, should be calling it out for them. And whether you want to be a leader or you don't want to be a leader, I think, you know, one of the things the research clearly shows is that we tend to correlate likability and leadership in men and not correlate it in women. So we tend to think women leaders are unlikable. And if we're truthful with ourselves, I think there's probably a moment in all of our lives that we can think that we saw a female leader and we made that assumption that she's not very likable. So one thing you can do, whether or not you personally want to be a leader, is not allow yourself to fall for that unconscious bias and be active in the discussions when other people are, Mm -hmm. so we're more fairly treating leaders.
0: If this is helpful for your research project, uh, Vincent told me today a good turn of phrase is, hold on, fuck gee up. <laughs> if that's useful to you, just pop it into the research
3: pot at King's College. It could... Who knows? Who knows? The other question I had was... It, what... e- each year we put out a book of essays and we'll be looking for a title, so... <laughs>
0: She should consider the comedy oh, panel no. shows.
2: Well, this is... Like, Julie, you, you've been so wonderfully funny tonight, and I've been listening to your podcast recently, a podcast of one's own. It's really great. Um, and what I've loved about that is hearing you laugh and be funny, and it feels like we're getting to see your authentic Julianess in a way that we haven't before, and it's just been such a delight and a privilege to sit on the
3: stage with you and have you nail some great punchlines. Mm. <laughs> Thank you. Well, I'm not giving up my day job for comedy. I'll leave that with the no. two of you, <laughs> Julia.
0: I did your podcast recently. It hasn't come out yet, but watch out for that. Um, we're, because... we're
3: still editing. We 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 thought. Are <laughs> you? We... I did it a while ago, Julia.
0: No, no. We, and I just wanted to announce we, formally we, that I had done it, so you have to bring it out.
3: Uh, we we thought about putting an R rating on it, and then we just thought a few G, you know few edits would fix the issues. <laughs>
2: There was, there was too much Vincent talk,
0: wasn't it? Awesome. Most of the time, we talked about how we both love Carla and Patty jackets. But there was also that. And if you're listening, Carla's and Patty, we do accept free jackets. Also, Bianca Spender.
2: Um, um, did you have any conversations about
4: pegs?
3: Is there any info? Peg manufacturers. I'm with you on the hunt for the perfect peg. Uh. I'm I'm literally going to walk off this stage if you just start talking about (laughs) (laughs) pegs. Can
0: I I just ask, uh, you've sort of covered this about what allies can do, but is there anything that you would like men to do more of? And female allies who don't want to be in leadership roles, is there anything we can do, is there something we can do that you think we're not doing or you'd like us to do more of?
3: Well, I certainly think anything I've said tonight also applies to men. At the end of the day, in many places in the world, many corporations, they're the ones with the power, so if they decide that they're not going to use it for change, then change is going to be that much harder to get. And I actually think men stepping in, not from that sort of smug feminist point of view of you know, look at me, I'm, I'm off to get the children. Did I, did I tell you I was off to get the children? Uh, just, I just want everybody to understand I'm leaving early because I'm getting the children. Um, uh, what a remarkable father. He's <laughs> holding his own baby. But actually, the practical policy changes that are going to make a difference for everyone... And being prepared to call it out when they see it too. I look back on my time in politics and I do think to myself how powerful it would have been when it really got a bit crazy if a leading male business person in Australia had stepped forward and said, you know, whatever you think about this, that or the other policy from the Gillard government, we actually don't do our democracy like this. We don't have this sort of gendered stuff in our democracy. Let's cut that bit out. I think that would have been a moment of, you know, would have shaken the whole thing up, would have caused people to talk about the gender stuff in a different way because a man had stepped forward. And so, you know, men can make a huge impact if they choose to use their voice and power to do so. Done. (laughs)
0: And is there anything you haven't said tonight that you would like to say? Anything that you came to say that you'd like to leave on the table? And if you regret it, we can edit it out. (laughs) Or if you want to say something that will upstage the misogyny speech and replace that so people go, do you know, it's not the misogyny speech, it's what you said on the Guilty Feminist podcast. (laughs)
3: Uh, I don't think I can replace the misogyny speech here and now. Uh, But I do think I can say to you, I'm intrigued by this area of women and leadership. I've got... My own life experience, but I love the study of it. I want to keep talking about it. I want to make a difference. So I'm going to have a book coming out in the middle of the year on women and leadership, co-authored with an African friend of mine, Ngozi Conjury wheeler and I want us to be talking about what we can do to make sure that women are leading in every walk of life right around the world. It would make us a different planet, a different place... And at the end of the day, democracy is about everyone being able ultimately Mm -hmm. to see their face reflected in the leadership of their nation. We're nowhere near that yet, and we should be.
0: Julia, can I just say, it's been a real privilege to have you on the show. Your insights have been remarkable. Your punchlines have been unexpectedly good. (laughs) And we can't wait to read the book, to see what you do next and uh, to show us the way with female leadership. We hope it's not too long before uh, there is another female leader in Australia and... personally hope she's more Jacinda Ardern than Theresa May <laughs> it has been absolutely wonderful uh, to be on your podcast to have you on ours and the response of this audience shows that you're much loved in Australia certainly by the feminists of Australia Thank you. Thank you. and those who hate
2: misogyny everywhere how? <laughs> Cal all of that, yeah. It's just been—it's been
3: so great. How, how articulate! I've gone all shy. Gone shy. So, and uh, uh, you've got an Australian passport and Australian citizenship. So, no avocado grooming for you.
2: Politics. Oh, I see.
3: No. <laughs> uh, Okay. But
0: thank you. For, sorry, you're doing. You're trying to get women into leadership. Yes. <laughs> She's so persuasive. I accept. I will be the next Prime Minister of Australia. <laughs> or have a late night satirical television show with Carl, whichever comes first. Uh, put your hands together and give an enormous thank you for your Prime Minister Julia.
2: So that's the closest I've ever been to a prime minister. Um, No, don't you know Jacinda Ardern? Oh no, that's Rose Matafeo. I know Rose Matafeo. Yes. (laughs)
0: Uh, Oh, um, I thought for a second. Well, we've got to be friends with Jacinda Ardern now. I feel that's our... She's got her in the WhatsApp.
2: Can I tell you my previous Julia Gillard story? Yes, yeah, go is on. Close. This is how close I got to She's Julia Gillard. She's not even of the building yet. It's a good no, one. No, no, it's a good one. It's a good one. Okay. Um, so I was at a dinner, like at a function, and Julia was coming along to speak, and she had security people with her, and one of her security men sat at our table, and he was genuinely doing the thing where he was talking into his sleeve. <gasps> was And he? I said to the person next to me, do you think he's just got a little mouse down there? <laughs> Like, he wasn't secure at all, he just had, like, a little emotional support mouse. It was like, it's all right, Brian, we're all right. All the ladies at the table are nice. They're all nice. Now, we have a charity of the week.
0: Uh, If you are from the charity of the week, could you please declare yourself? No? Then it's not you. If it's not you, relax, it's not you. Is charity of the week here yet? Yes, right there. Great, okay. Please welcome our charity of the week. (laughs) Come take a seat.
5: Hello. 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 What's your name? Hayley Foster. Hello, Hayley Foster. Could you please tell us about your charity? Thank you. Um, So, uh, our charity is Women's Safety New South Wales. and (laughs) And we are the peak body for women's domestic violence services in New South Wales. Wonderful. Tell us more. Um, Well, really, um, uh, we heard Julia Gillard talk about not wanting it to take decades to um, end gender inequality, and we really don't want it to take years to deal with domestic violence policy either. So what we're here to do is to talk to you about, um, you know, seeing if you can support our charity in, in the cause that we're advocating on at the moment, and that is domestic violence in the courts. Did you know that right now domestic violence victims go through the court in open court proceedings? And they have to be cross-examined, in some cases, directly by their abusers. At the moment, we're trying to tackle that. And any support, we're going to be at the door with buckets as everyone comes out tonight. Put something in them. Please do. And for our global listeners,
0: what's a website that they can go to to contribute?
5: It's www.womenssafetynnswales.org.au forward slash donate. Wonderful. Thank you. So if you can't donate tonight...
0: Donate another time. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Cal, I've had an incredible time with you tonight. I really, really have.
2: Can I plug something before we go? I wish you would. Um, If you are listening to this podcast before the 11th of February, unlikely... Uh, I will be in Christchurch doing my show Gifted Underachiever, and I'll be in Auckland on the 22nd of February before The Guilty Feminist doing my show Gifted Underachiever. Gifted Underachiever. Um, and if this is going out after that, I'm so sorry you missed out. Excellent. And we can follow you on? You can follow me on Twitter. I'm C A L B O Calbo, or on Instagram at Calbo Wilson, or I live in Sunshine. If any of you live near there, you can follow me around the shops. Please don't do that. Please. <laughs> Don't do that.
0: And you can follow The Guilty Feminist at guiltfempod on Twitter, Instagram, The Guilty Feminist. Uh, You can like our Facebook page. You can go to iTunes, rate, review and subscribe and give it five stars or whatever you want to give it.
2: Um, No, no, I think five is a good way to go. It's a a good number. Um, Give it it a Vincent-worthy number of stars. (laughs) Do you
0: know, I gave him five stars and a $5 tip. (laughs) I don't want him to forget me.
2: Um, Did you tuck the $5 into the front of his shirt? Was it one of that... Here, go and buy your yes. ragu something nice. No, I've had a lovely not, time too,
0: Deborah. I'm not, because I'm not a sleazy businessman on a trip to Hong Kong who thinks his wife doesn't know who he really
2: is. That seemed oddly specific.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I tweet all my personal stuff at dfdubs. D-U-B-Z. Um, So could you please follow me there, as well as the Guilty Feminist? Because I get a bit annoyed sometimes. The Guilty Feminist has twice the followers of me. And I dish so much more dirt on my private.
2: (laughs) Oh, you should hear what she says backstage. It's amazing.
4: Mm.
0: To play us out and to leave us feeling on a massive Guilty Feminist high put your hands together and make incredible, welcoming, Sydney woohooing, guilty feminist noises for the incredible Grace Petrie!
4: pretty fucking cool, isn't it? Blimey. Um, hi, my name is Grace Petrie and I am a folk singer and it's my first time in Australia. Yeah, I'm really, really fucking excited to be here. Oh! oh. <laughs> Goodness me. <laughs> um, Um, uh, I love you too Um, uh, 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 So what I'm going to do is I'm going to sing you a song about my niece I wrote this song when my niece was born uh, She's nearly six years old And her name is Ivy and I wrote this song for her I just want to quickly check Are you guys familiar with the uh, Tremendously terrible British rock band Kasabian You'll see why Custom Breed 2014 And me and my best friend We'd had an awesome festival Then we got a call on Sunday about half past ten and it was back to the camp and it was pack up the ten and it was saying goodbye to Billy Bragg as we went and telling our friends that we had somewhere to be someone so much more important than all those VIPs It was your mum on the phone that rerouted us. We got a hug goodbye from Phil Jupiter's and then we drove all night from Glastonbury to meet you home when you were ready to arrive, Ivy And I drove until the sun came up to beat you home, all the way up the M5 Ivy And being early for someone was a first for me, but I thought my heart would burst if you got there before me and all the way home All I thought was how oh, I can't wait Tell you this story, Ivy Thanks for waiting for me And I can't wait to know the person you'll become I can't wait to hear what music that you like I can't wait to know the future as you'll make it Yeah, I wonder if I'll still be behind a mic Cos Ivy, maybe one day when you're my age Well, maybe I'll be singing from that pyramid stage That once I drove all night from Glastonbury To meet you home when you were ready to arrive, Ivy till the sun came up to beat you home all the way up the M5 Ivy and being early for someone was a first for me but I thought my heart would burst if you got there before me and all the way home all I thought was how oh, I can't wait to tell you this story Ivy thanks for waiting for me and thanks for waiting for me to arrive and let me just say thanks for not bringing labour on until Sunday night and halfway through Kasabian because who the fuck cares about Casabian and thanks for not coming during Dolly Parton Say I would have driven right up the M5 to be there when you start living, but I must admit that I would be sad departing. Because, how many times in life do you get to see Dolly Parton life? Not that many, i I drove all night from Glastonbury to meet you home when you were ready to arrive Ivy and I drove until the sun came up to beat you home all the way up the M5 Ivy and being early for someone was a first for me but I thought my heart would burst if you got there before me and all the way home all I thought So I can't wait to tell you this story, Ivy No, I can't wait to tell you this story, Ivy Yeah, and one day I'll tell you this story, Ivy Thanks for waiting for me Thank you
0: have been listening to The Guilty Feminists* with me in every franchise line. Guest goes Cal Wilson and our very special guest Julia Gellard. The music was by Grace Petrie. The Guilty Feminists* theme tune was by Mark Hodge. The producers were Tom Zolinski for The Spontaneity Shop and Jeff Ring for Australian Company Management. Recording by Adrian Walton. Thanks to everyone at the Enmore Theatre as well as all of you for listening. For more information about this and other episodes visit
4: *The Guilty to.
0: Nicole, Nicole, do you ever take public transport? Because I can't... Trains. Okay, could you name a train?
2: Philip. Philip the train. (laughs) I don't know why I've made him a man, but... I don't mean like Thomas the Tank Engine. Uh, Don't you have the... I don't know, in London we'd have the, you know, Waterloo 2. The South Sydney Thunderflyer. (laughs) That's what I heard someone yell at. The what, Sorry? The manly ferry. The manly
0: ferry. Mm. It doesn't sound as feminist as it could.
2: No. Lot of pressure on that ferry. Lot of the pressure. The manly ferry. Let's not put. <laughs> I feel like you're forcing like that. that ferry to be toxically masculine. I know. I feel like you'd be you'd be like sitting on the harbour and you'd be trying to get a jar open. The manly ferry would be like, "Let me honk." I'll tell you what would happen. You'd be in a pub and you'd
0: say, oh, sh- I'll go and see if there's any food. You'd go to the counter and they'd say, no, we've just finished. And you go, do you not even have chips? They'd say, no, we don't even have chips. you go back to the table and you say, no, there's no food. And the manly fairy would say, <laughs> they've probably got chips. <laughs> they probably got. They, ha- they haven't asked. I'll go and ask. <laughs> Why? Why? Why do you think they're going to have chips? Because you, are- you think I haven't done it right. I have done it right! You just can't imagine that the... Sorry, this might be about my marriage. (laughs) The Guilty Feminist is provided exclusively from Acast. Find it wherever you get your podcasts.
1: Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalised card from Moonpig.